Our church had about 50 people in it when Elder Paul and his wife Kathleen and Joel came 39 years ago this month. And so they were one of the longest wherever, 39 years ago this month, right? It was October? Okay, I was, I was giving you one more month of seniority than you deserve. Very close to 39 years. I want to make mention real quickly before we begin the message that this Wednesday, uh, down here at this, uh, the Spanish Evangelical Church, Pastor Rojas, there's going to be a special prayer time, and we invite you to be there. It's just here on the east side, and that's at 7 o'clock, and uh, I know Pastor Jerry will be there, and uh, we're going to be, you know, because there's a special prayer meeting about all of these disasters that have occurred, these weather disasters, and uh, so we encourage you to be there, and also... Um, you know, you can take, you can buy diapers or water, et cetera, and take them to a donation point. And Pastor Juan uh, and I talked about this this morning, but here's the reality. If you go to Walmart or Target or Giant Eagle or wherever and you buy water, you buy diapers, you buy et cetera, you're going to pay retail. If you give money to the Convoy of Hope or to the Red Cross, they will buy that for pennies on the dollar. And they know how to transport it there. Sometimes what you give, you know, you, you, it, it makes your heart feel good that you took this package of diapers that made you feel good, but it costs more to transport it to Puerto Rico than it would if you would have given money, and, and you know, those people have the means to do that. So do what's in your heart, uh, but for, you know, for us, we're going to give the money and let them buy it for pennies on the dollar. And it's just a better uh, use of funds. And so I just want to make mention of that to you. Well, we're talking about big picture living. Say that with me, big picture living. You know, there was, uh, th this all started, this life called faith, really started in the Bible in Genesis chapter 12 with a man named Abram. God called this man, who was not a young man anymore, and he had no children. And God called him, God changed his name to Abraham, and God said, you're going to have, you're going to produce a, a nation of children. And he didn't even have one child. And one of the things God did is, is to give him that big picture. God told him to go out at night and look up and count the stars. And he said, you're going to have more children than that. Well, there was a Sunday school teacher teaching fifth grade, fifth graders, about this lesson, and so the assignment was this week, on the clearest night of the week, I want you to go out and I want you to count the number of stars, as many as you can on any given night. And so the next week they came together and you know, one, one child said, man, I counted 100. Another one said, I counted 250. Another one said 500, one said 1,000. And then this one little child, he, he hadn't said a word. And so they asked little Johnny, well, Johnny, what about you? And he said three. The teacher said, three? Says, well, how could you only count three on the clearest night of the week? He said, well, I guess I have a, have a small backyard. <laughs> Can I tell you that some people have a small backyard mentality? We often talk about how the fact that some people see the glass half empty, and some see it half full, and some are still looking for the glass. I know that there's some of you today, you're not a bad person, you're not an evil person, but you tend to be negative and pessimistic. 
Almost every time somebody says something positive, you manage to rain on that parade. And, and, and it's unfortunate, and it's a sad way to live. Last week, we talked about a prophet named Elijah. We out of 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 45. And you might remember, it had not rained for three and a half years in the nation of Israel. Three and a half years, long time to go without rain. It's been a pretty dry summer. But, but three and a half years, no rain. And, but it was time, the prophet knew it was time that God wanted to release an abundance of rain. And so he prayed and he sent his servant. Remember, we looked at this last week. He sent his servant. He said, go look out over the Mediterranean Sea. And six times the servant would run back to Elijah and say, I don't see anything. He said, go again. And the prophet would pray. And remember the seventh time what he saw? The seventh time the servant came running back and he said, well, I don't see a lot. But I see the cloud the size of what? A man's hand. Now, for one thing, how do you even see a cloud the size of a man's hand? But he did. But the prophet, because he was a big picture liver. He was a man of faith. He said, get ready. There's going to be an abundance of rain. See, he saw something very, very small, but he knew that God wanted to do something tremendous. Well, I, I want you to go with me to, uh, today as we get started to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13 through 17. Now, the protege, in fact, uh, Elijah had mentored a prophet by the name of Elisha. We often get them mixed up, but a J comes before an S, and so you can tell them apart. And so this is uh, Elijah has been transported to heaven. Elisha asked for a double portion, and here's what happened. So the king of Syria said, go and see where he, Elisha, is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, he said, well, surely he is in Dothan, in this area called Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant then ran back to Elisha and said, alas, my master, what shall we do? I don't know about you, but I, I've been around people that every situation is, alas, what shall we do? I, seriously, one, one of the things I like about being in ministry quite a number of years and having lived quite a number of years is you've dealt with a little bit of everything. But sometimes we'll have somebody real young in the ministry and they're facing their, their first situation and they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? And that's sort of the way this man felt as he said this to a, Elisha. But look at verse 16. So then Elisha answered and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed for his servant, and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, my prayer for you in this short series is I want you to see because we all have to deal with stuff. Say stuff. stuff. We all have to deal with stuff in life. If, if you say, oh, no, you don't understand, preacher. See, I, I've got so much faith, I, I don't have to deal with stuff. Really? Wow. What about those people in the Bible who had great faith and had to deal with stuff all day long? 
No, no, faith does not somehow make you, inoculate you that you don't have to deal with difficulties and challenges. They, they come to all of us, but what do we do with them? Remember, we often say this, you, you often have very little control over what happens to you, but you have complete responsibility over what happens in you. And see, we can't allow the stuff that's happening around us to contaminate us and control us. See, both Elijah and Elisha, they had this thing called faith. That, that somehow when they saw a situation, they believed that God was able. In Elijah's case, it reminds me of Ephesians 6. Remember, Ephesians 6 says what? That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and all of the spiritual wickedness around us. But we need to understand what John said in 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We do not need to allow this stuff of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Say that with me. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes what you see isn't very good. Tim, I remember when you weren't looking too good after that accident. I mean, now, now we look and it's like, hmm. Yeah, and somebody who didn't know about the accident and didn't see you when you were all that you were, then look at you and say, what happened to your leg? And little would they know, oh my, how much time do you have? But, but see, he didn't stay there. Thank God for God's grace and for good doctors and nurses, et cetera, and good technology, all of that, and the prayers of the saints, and, and, and a mom who loves them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, but see, yeah, and the church, thank God. But, but see, we, we tend to, listen, this, this applies to you. This message is not some theological thing out there that like, well, I really don't need this. I never face difficulty. I, I, I could have you all stand up and then all of you who never face difficulty, you come on over here. Can I tell you, nobody would come. You know who would come? The person who was sort of sleeping and they don't know what's going on there. I told you last week, those are the people that amen at the wrong time. They're like, you know, so, oh, amen, amen. Yeah. No, we all face difficulty. People with faith, people without faith. But there's a difference for those of us who have a relationship with God. The night that I met the Lord in Hartford, Ohio, 1970, the promise from God that struck me the, the strongest was a promise from Jesus, and this is it. I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. So we don't go through anything alone. He, he never said you're not going to go through something. He said, but I'll go through it with you. I'll give you strength. Too often, we allow the immediate to consume the preeminent. I mentioned that last week. It's just something in my heart. We, we allow what, what is happening right now to just so overwhelm us that we lose sight of the big picture. Now, I'm, I'm going to be fair with you. We're human beings. Sometimes you lose a loved one. I mean, I, I mentioned about, you know, different... You know, it's one thing. Sister Martin was almost 94 years old and went to heaven. You know, in that case, yeah, we, we, 
miss Mom Martin, but she lived a long, full life. But we had a 30-year-old this week who died. Over New Life, there a 25-year-old on the mission field in the Philippines who died. I, I, Joey Alberini, just a month ago, we're doing his funeral, and he's 20. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with life? See, that's my deal. If all that happens is you come to church and we get you excited and you leave church and you're pretty excited, but you don't know how to face life, we failed you. We failed you. We want to disciple you so that you begin to look at life the way God looks at things, the big picture. To process thoughts the way God processes thoughts. You said, is that possible? It is. It is. I was a negative person, a pessimistic individual. I had a poor self-esteem. I didn't like me. And so consequently, because Jesus said, love your neighbor how? As you love yourself. I didn't like you either. How could I? Because you cannot give what you do not have. If you don't like you, you have a tough time liking others. You tend to judge them. You tend to be critical. Well, let's look at something today that, that can help us in this. When we keep our eyes on the big picture instead of the little picture, we will then tend to not overreact to every situation. You tend to have, be more calm, cool, and collected that that you're not quite sure how God's going to work this out, but somehow God's going to bring us through this. You know, sometimes I, as a preacher, as a minister, there are people that are going through something and they think I've got like the magic bullet scripture that like hocus pocus, it's all going to go away, all the pain, all the difficulty. Can I tell you there's no such scripture? But it's the fact that in the midst of it, God gives you a strength that's beyond your strength. He gives you a peace that passes all understanding. Some of you could testify today because you've gone through stuff and you've said, I don't know how in the world I made it through that, but I did and I came through a better person. Give God praise for that because it's true. The Bible says if God is for me, who can be against me? And, and I love the fact in the original language, it doesn't say if, it says since. Since God before me, who can be against me? David, the psalmist, several times in the Psalms, he would say, I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. What does he mean? He, he means that I'm going to get my eyes off of the situation, the circumstance. I'm going to look above that. We talked last week how that Paul said in Ephesians 2, he said that we as believers in Christ, those of us who know Christ, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So our perspective changes. Say perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean your circumstances change, but you change. Can I tell you many times when we pray and we want the circumstances to change? They don't, but we do. And so you still have the same, that loved one still died. That job still went away. That divorce still occurred. And, and there's no logical explanation except that you look to God 
And somehow God brought you through. You know, I, I mentioned Shirley when Pastor Skip died. Pastor Skip was one of those guys, he was going to outlive us all. Come on. If you knew Pastor Skip, it's like he had more life in his little finger than most of us have in our whole body. What do you mean he died? He's not allowed to die. It wasn't on his schedule to die if you knew Pastor Skip. I'm not being insulting. I'm saying if you knew Pastor Skip. But how did the family make it through? As disappointing as it was, as hard as it was, there was a comfort that came from Holy Spirit that was bigger than the fact that he died. In Romans 8, 28, I want us, we ended last week with this scripture. I want us to look at this scripture. I, it's up here on the screen. Can you read this with me, please? And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Let, let's take some time with that verse. It starts with, and we know. Say that. And we know. I mentioned to you last week, I, I hope I'm never in a situation with you that you're in a crisis, but if I am, and the staff knows this, and many of you that I've met with, you know this, whenever I am helping people navigate through a tough time, I always say, let's begin with what we know. Because during a tough time, you're so scattered and life is overwhelming. And how are we going to do this? And how is this going to happen? And you're trying to figure out something six months from now and 12 months from now. And I say, time out. Time out. Wait, 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 wait. We'll see about six months or a year. But right now, today, let's lay out everything on the table and let's talk about what we know. Because can I tell you? You can get caught up in what you don't know, and it just will suck the life out of you. During challenges, always separate what you know from what you don't. That's good, good counsel right there, friend. You can get lost in the maze of what you don't know. James said, be careful even about saying, well, yeah, next week we're going to do this, and a year later we're going to do that, and two years from now this is going to happen. He said, well, you better be careful. He said, life is like a vapor. It's here one moment, gone the next. You're better off saying, if the Lord wills, we will do this in six months or do that in a year. After he says, and we know, not sort of know, kind of know, but really know, he says then these words, that all things, say that with me, that all things, not some things, not most things, but all things. Are you serious? Yeah. You mean the bad things? Yeah. You mean the good things? Yeah. You mean the things that don't make sense? Yeah. You mean the things that do make sense? Yeah. You mean the happy moments? Yeah. You mean the tragic, sad moments? Yeah. Listen, look at me, look at me. There is either a sovereign God who is able to make sense of our nonsense, or there's not. It's not magic. It's not hocus pocus. It, everything that happens in your life 
If you think that every bad thing that happens, you either need to blame God or blame the devil, no. Often it's just, it's just a part of living on this planet. This is not heaven. I, I don't have to remind you that, and it's not hell either. There are times in this life it feels a bit like heaven. Things are so wonderful and everything is just working out. And then there are times where it feels a bit like hell when everything seems to be going wrong. That's just the truth. And see, one thing I don't like is that if at church we pretend that that's not true. I I don't want you that, well, I'm going through a hard time right now, preacher, so I I can't come to church. What what do you mean you can't come to church? Well, you know, when you come to church, you've got to look like you've got it together. Really? Well, we're going to have to say amen right now, and I'm going to leave. Because can I tell you, I preach to you at times that I don't have it together. We live in a day where sometimes we want these superstar preachers. And boy, they're like perfect and have it all together. No, they don't. Some of them are my friends. And we talk in private. Oh, they're not hypocrites. See, it's, it, it's one thing to be a hypocrite, to be a phony, to be an actor. That's wrong. But it's another thing to be a human being. That's why Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. See, God lives inside of David Thomas. But David Tom- Thomas still lives there too. Ay, ay, ay. And see, church should not be a place where we come and we're like, hallelujah, glory to God, praise God, ha, 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 glory, hallelujah. What's that about? No, church should be family. In every family, we, you, you should be able to be transparent with your family more than you could be with anybody at work, at school, anywhere. And so you come to church when you're struggling. And we know that all things do what? Work together for good. Say that. Work together for good. Note work together. Say that. Work together. Do not judge situations and experiences on a standalone basis. In the same way a puzzle has many pieces that must work together, so must the events and situations of life. You know what we tend to do? We tend to take this moment that we're in right here, and we say, life stinks. Well, maybe, it, maybe right now it does. But it won't always stink. And and when you're going through tough things, listen, when you're going through tough things, you you begin to hear voices sometime in your head, and they're telling you, you're not going to make it. You, You may as well give up. You may as well quit. Do you recognize that voice? If you've walked with God very long, you should recognize, wait a minute. That's the same voice that told me in the last challenge that I wasn't going to make it, and I did. 
And that's the same voice that told me back here on this challenge that I wasn't going to make it, and I did. And it's that same voice that back here told me I wasn't going to make it, and I did. It's not hocus pocus. It's not mind over matter. It's being a child of God and learning that as much as we need them during the good times, we need them even more during the tough times. And, and God is not shocked when you come to him and say, Father, I don't know how to do this. I feel so weak and so miserable, and I, I just don't know what to do. He's not shocked by that. In fact, he rejoices in the fact that you're not mustering up your pride and your own strength. Work together for good. For good means in the outcome based upon the next part of this verse that we're going to read. It may not feel good. It may not look good. This scripture is not saying everything happens in your life is good. It's not what it says. Oh, I've heard this misquoted. Wow. And, and then when you're going through a tough time, you don't want to tell anybody because there are, if you're one of those judgmental people that every time you have a Christian friend that's going through a tough time, you say, well, you know, bless God if you had faith that I have. You know, that's like the Barney Fife spiritual deputy. You don't even have a bullet in your gun, bozo. Now, you've got to <laughs> watch some Mayberry to know what I'm talking about there. Some, some of the young people are like, what was you talking about? The rest of us know about that bullet and the lack thereof. There are a whole lot of people that have like a Barney Fife mentality about, about faith and want to tell you that when you're going through a tough time that if you were, oh, just, in fact, please don't send me something on Facebook that says if I don't forward this to 10 friends, I won't have the blessing of God. You say nobody from victory would. <laughs> Can I tell you, I had the blessing of God before there was a Facebook. And, and I'm not forwarding your stupid little thing. To those who love God. Do you know you can believe in God and not love God? You can even obey God and not love God. You can come to church and not really love God. See, it's not liking God. It's not like you know, when your ball team, you like your ball team. And when they're winning, oh, you're a fan. And when they lose, boo, bad team. Don't be a fan of God. Be a disciple. See, fans are fickle. Fans will trade sides. I, I know some of you tell me I'm not allowed, but I'm a Browns fan 
ένα στίβο είχα. And Nick is down there going like this, and some of you are walking like I, I know it's an issue when they play each other. I get that. But, but here's the reality. I'm a, I'm a sports fan, but, but I'm a grown man. It's a football game. Thank you, Maria. There was not a man in this room clapping. <laughs> Do you notice that there's a difference? Because when guys clap, we got like heavy hands. <laughs> when women clap, it's pretty. <laughs> when I said that, there were just like pretty claps. There were like... <laughs> Loving God. Loving God. Now, can I tell you, I love God, but times I don't understand them. And that's okay because he's the creator of the universe. I look up at the stars, I look at the planets, I look at the beauty of a flower, I'm a scuba diver, I look at the beauty of the fish, and I think, my dad made all of this and stuff I don't understand. I warmed up something in my microwave. This morning, I, make, I have oatmeal seven days a week. I made, I put it in the microwave. I hit the one thing and I walk away. You say, how do you know how the microwave works? <laughs> have no clue. Oh, I know there's something. They say, well, you know, when you wrap your hands together, it gets warm. Okay, so there's a bunch of little hands in there. <laughs> and we get upset when we don't understand God. We don't understand a microwave. We don't understand the way our vehicle runs. <laughs> Loving God's the highest command. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? It's to love God. With all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is like it. It's to what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then some wise guy said, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, thanks for asking. And told a story that basically said, those people in Mexico looking through rubble for life, those are your neighbors. Those people in Puerto Rico who've lost everything, those are your neighbors. The, the Muslim people are your neighbors. The Buddhist people, the atheist people, no matter the race, the nationality, the religion, those are your neighbors. You say, oh, I thought I just had to love Christians. No. Jesus didn't die on the cross for Christians. Jesus died on the cross for people. All people. If, if we're ever going to have a witness to anybody that God is real and that Jesus is real and that God actually loves people, they're going to have to see love in us who claim to know him and love him. I, see, if, if I only love people like me, 
and I limit the atoning power of Christ and the love of God. See, the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for sinners. He didn't say, hey, when you get good, I'll die for you. No. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave his son to be the, our substitute, our sacrifice. Wow! Hey, some people tell me, but it's hard to love people. Of course it is. Have you looked in the mirror recently? Come on, let's get honest. Let some days you don't like you. Some days it's hard for others to like you. And why are we shocked that God would command us to do something we cannot do unless he helps us? Oh, that's a whole lot better than y'all letting on right there. See, this is the idea. If we could do it in our own strength, we wouldn't need him. Let me wrap this up. To those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's his purpose, not ours. You say, how come you're a preacher? How come you're a minister? You probably wanted to do that your whole life. Are you serious? Most of you know I took a failing grade. Randy knows. Somebody just gave me our yearbook from 1970. One of our families, Debbie, her brother John, graduated that year. And so I have a yearbook from 1970. The last thing when I graduated from high school and took a failing grade rather than giving an oral book report in front of like 20 kids, the last thing would be a preacher, a public speaker. But it's according to his, who are the called according to his purpose. You are his child through faith in Christ. And according to his divine purpose and plan, it's not ours. We tend to judge anything that seems negative, unpleasant, or uncomfortable as being no way in the plan for our lives. I want to close with this. I was going through a tough time. That shouldn't be surprising, but I was going through a tough time a number of years ago. I had left a job at General Motors Lordstown. I took a step of faith. You say, did you see this and eight campuses and all the network and everything? No. All I saw is, Lord, please provide for us. I saw a youth group of, you know, 20 kids. 15, 20 kids at the beginning in a farming community. I saw myself helping the dairy farmers. Boy, did that make ministry seem easy after working on the dairy farm. You know those cows don't go on vacation? I spoke this week at, a, I spoke this week at the Youngstown Chamber of Business, and we had, we had a wonderful time, and Dr. Suzanne Shaw, chiropractor, spoke right in front of me, and She's been here to victory. She's a believer, and she told me, she said, oh, she says, I'm so threatened. I've heard you speak. Speaking of me, she said, I've never, I've never spoken on a microphone before. She did an incredible job. But here's one of the things she said. She grew up in Pulaski, right across the state line, on a dairy farm. So her mom and dad owned a farm. and She, she said she went 
know, when she started school, she went probably in first grade, and, and it's September, and so the teacher's asking all the kids, where'd you go on vacation this summer? And this kid's saying, you know, oh, we went to Grand Canyon. This one's saying, we went to Cedar Point, and this one's saying, you know, whatever. She came home from school, and she asked her mom, she said, what's a vacation? <laughs> See, because when, you, when you're a dairy farmer, <laughs> there's no vacation. That's when she decided to become a chiropractor. <laughs> so we close. I was going through a tough time. I was, had left that job at Lordstown. I was in ministry. I was a youth pastor, living by faith, wasn't getting paid at all. God still supernaturally met our needs, but we had no income and no paycheck. And I was going through a tough time in that I felt like I was stuck. Do you ever feel stuck? It's bad, though, when you've left a good job and you have two little kids and you're living in a trailer and you're not getting paid and you feel stuck. And I felt like God used to work in my life. God used to use me, and I trusted that sometime in the future he would use me. But I was in one of those times that I felt stuck. And I came across this scripture. I remember where I was. I was praying. I was walking in the sanctuary of what was then called Corinth Assembly of God. It's now Rock of Grace. I came across this scripture, Philippians 2, chapter 12 through 15. Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I'm going to just stop there. You say, how did that? Keep that up there if you would. Read verse 13 with me, would you? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Can I ask you, what tense is verse 13? Is it past tense, future tense? It's what? Present tense. Say that, present tense. See, I was going through something that I felt like, well, God used to work in me, past tense. Lord willing, out there in the future sometime, he's going to work in me, but right now I'm stuck. And this verse said, no, 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 no. You may not know it. You may not feel it. You may not recognize it. But right now, say right now. Right now, God's working in you. Right now, God's working in you. Both the will and the do of his good pleasure. As we close this service today, as we close this short series on the big picture living, can you stand to your feet? I've asked Pastor Ben that we do a song that we did last week as we closed. Now, I'm going to ask you not to leave the building unless it's absolutely urgent because I want you to respond to this message. You say, really? Yeah. James said, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. What are you going to do with this? 
Now, maybe you're one of those wonderful, big-picture people. You say, well, I get this. I, I understand this because I've gone through some things in my life, and God has helped me become a big picture. That's the way I live my life. But I would have to say the majority of you struggle in this area. I still struggle from time to time. I'll have something in front of me, and I'll lose, I'll sort of lose track of the fact that this is just one thing, and it'll start consuming me. I don't know what you're going through in life. I, I honestly don't know what you're going through in life. But my guess is when God lays something like this on my heart, there's at least some of you, you're going through something, and God wants to use the situation to actually do what Romans 8.28 says. Cause all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you want to begin to see the way God sees, you want to begin to think the way God thinks, you want God's perspective rather than a simple human perspective, I want you to begin to come right now because I want to pray for you. And as they are coming right now, if you're in this room or watching online and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, today's the day. It's not about trying harder. It's not about making promises to God. It's about bringing your life to God, warts and all, mess-ups and all. Would you come to the altar today? We're going to pray in a moment. Spot with the precious 
I love those moments where we can have a God encounter. Where where we've been and where he is at, that we come to a place where we realize, you know what? Even if you are a child of God, you realize, you know what? I'm living life through a human perspective. I'm not, I'm not looking at life the way God looks at life. I'm being consumed by the details and the pressures and the stresses of life. There's got to be a better way. And when we get God's perspective, when we have God help us to begin to view life in a different way, we become a better person, a healthier person. See, God's not into you becoming more religious. Some religious people sometimes are the meanest people I know. They just have religion. It's not about relationship, they have a religion. But people that know their God and people that walk with God are the healthiest people I know. They're the least judgmental, the least critical. They'll give you a break. They've received forgiveness, they give forgiveness. They've received grace, they give grace. Those are, that's, that's the way God wants us to be. We represent him on this planet. See, the last thing you need is for any preacher to put shame and guilt and condemnation on you. That's not what this message is about. This is one of those lifting messages. This is one of those saying, hey, you're better than that. God will help you. Come on up here. I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. And as you place your hand on your heart, if you are not certain that Jesus Christ lives inside of you, God loved you so much, he gave his son Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. See, you're a, a sinner. I'm a sinner. We have sinned against God. We have blown it. We have messed up. But Jesus Christ died, and when he died, your sins and my sins were nailed to the cross with him. He was buried, and he has risen from the dead. And the only way we can have eternal life and real life here on this planet is by simply coming to him as we are. Not by becoming religious, but by coming to him messed up. Honestly, just saying, Father, I'm sorry. I've blown it. I've messed up. I've sinned. I have no excuse. And when you do that, when you come honestly, ask him to forgive you. Just in your own words, say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you died in my place. Jesus, right now, my friend, is standing at the door of your heart and knocking. He wants to live in you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a relationship with his Father so that you can call God your Father so that you can be adopted into that family. Would you right now give him your heart? Would you open the door of your heart 
and say, Lord Jesus, come and live inside of me. Be my Savior, my Lord, and my King. I give you everything. My past, my present, my future. Everything. And Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Would you help us, Lord, to realize that Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, that God, you're working for us and in us and through us. Would you help us to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh? Would you help us to have your heart and your mind? Now, friends, just before we say the blessing, would you look at me for a second? If you prayed today to give your heart to Christ, there will be some people up front here that have some material that we want to place into your hands called the road. And all we need to do is come up front. It's free of charge. And there's a number of people up here. And if you, if you just need somebody to pray with you today, you say, I'm going through a tough time. I just need some prayer. I need to talk to somebody. You come on down front when we, as we close here. And there will be people here who will pray with you. They won't judge you. They'll pray with you and encourage you. But if you've given your heart to the Lord or you've started a new walk with the Lord, come and get this material. Now, everybody look at me for a second. You may want to get on our podcast and listen to this message and last week's message a number of times. That's what I have done. When I have a message that I know, oh, I need that message, I will listen to it a number of times and get it from here to here. But you're all amazing people. Anybody tell you how amazing you are today? Honestly, I'm not just hyping this. You're created in the image of God. You have incredible destiny inside of you. You say, oh, you don't know me very well. I don't need to know you very well. I know that you're made in the image of God. You say, oh, you don't know how much I've messed up. I don't need to know how much you messed up. You wouldn't shock me by the fact that you messed up. You don't shock God by the fact that you come to him and say, I messed up. He knows that. He just wants you to know that. Would you keep your eyes open right now? We want to speak blessing over you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name, may the Lord give you his perspective, his heart, his mind. May you leave this building today strengthened and encouraged by the word of God. May you leave change, not just inspired, but changed. May you go forth today feeling loved, being loved, and giving his love away. May you have value, dignity, and worth inside of you that you then have a cup that runs over that you give love and value and dignity to others. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Give the Lord praise, would you? We love you. We'll see you out in the lobby. God bless you. You need prayer, you need the material, come on down.